Side Order of Empathy is a snack-sized discussion about thriving in your career. Each week we talk about common work challenges, sharing tips, tricks, and most of all, perspective that has helped us personally find success and balance. Come join us. See you in a moment. Hey, Chris. How you doing today? I'm all right. How are you all? Doing fantastic. Chris, hello, hello. Hi, Natasha. We are already recording. This is a side order of empathy. And today, uh, Matt and Natasha have a guest on our little podcast episode here. Uh, Chris Howard is joining us. It is so nice to have you joining us here. I'm happy to be here. It's been too long, honestly. (laughs) It has been. So we always kind of give this like quick little plug for Anchor too every time that it does something awesome for us with technology. And this time it has yet again. Um, Natasha and I are in a room uh, sitting across from each other, but Chris is not even in the same state. He is like a thousand miles away right now. I think it's... I think it's like 1,286 miles to be exact, but, you know, oh, who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> well, today we were going to talk about games at work, and specifically we wanted to talk about, um, you know, how games can help solve problems, like business problems. So um, I know we all have kind of a little bit of a perspective on that, uh, and since there's three of us... Um, Let's just kind of go like kind of go around the room. Um, do either of you want to start with like kind of like a perspective on, on like? I'll jump in. Yeah, jump and in. the thing that I'm thinking about for games at work that make it so appealing from a brain science perspective is that when you think about playing games, it's literally the opposite of working, right? <laughs> working <laughs> and play. That's right. They would call it play if it was play. <laughs> And so I love the idea of being able to um, take back or hijack this like human, completely human interaction of playing and bringing it into the workplace to ignite the way that people um, work together, collaborate, um, think about a task at work in a new context, right? It's almost just like learning through channel shifting, uh, something that they're exploring and putting it into context. And so I think it's an area that we have enough. I want to have more games at work. Yes. So bring on solitaire and risk. <laughs> no, 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 not the games you're talking about. Solitaire is like the antithesis. It's like taking people <laughs> away from other people. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So, so, um, Chris, we're going to keep going around. What's what, what kind of take do you have on this? Honestly, I, I feel pretty similarly to, similarly to Natasha. Um, if we think about play, so I, I have a young daughter and I have been kind of brushing up on the importance of play and, and what it means to her development. And so when you think about it um, from a, uh, like a human development perspective, in a lot of ways, play and, and the concept of games, it's a way for children um, very early on to emulate behaviors that they see and then identify you know, what makes sense and what's appropriate for different circumstances. So in the context of work, I mean, I, I mean, come on, we, we work in corporate America, the stakes are high, or we seemingly high, everyone 
always has some, you know, big bright idea that they're trying to sell. And oftentimes, despite the fact that we're told, you know, go out there, be innovative and fail fast, it doesn't feel quite like that. So if we were to introduce more of a culture or an appreciation for the concept of games and being able to, to kind of try before you buy, so to speak, I mean, I think there's a lot of value and a lot of a learning opportunity with something like that. Yeah, I think that's true. I like that way of thinking about it. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because you unlock different parts of your brain, um, and different ways of patterns of thought. Uh, you get more creative. You think less inside of the same mold of, well, this is, this is the pattern that I do things. Mm-hmm. They have a great opportunity. Games have a great opportunity. Um, or I guess we have a great opportunity brought to us by games, um, not to anthropomorphize games, but uh, <laughs> to, to kind of keep us in a pattern-interrupted state, which there's, there's great efficiency in patterns, Right. But when sure. you get too much into a pattern in too large of a group, you get a lot of things where people don't speak the same language, um, either literally not even speaking the same language mm-hmm. of multinational Global corporations, organizations. Uh, or they get into like their own little siloed, like oh, my discipline and the words I'm using and the meaning of those words is different than the meaning of your words. And games have this great capacity for breaking that up and exposing uh, where we're we're kind of just continually thinking in the same the same patterns, and we need to think differently than what we've done so far. Well, I, I agree, and they they also help to highlight where you know biases may exist or um, just stagnation <laughs> yeah. of thought. I'm sure, like I know, I know both of you are all about the biases. So I've I've basically shamelessly plugged. <laughs> <laughs> We love collecting biases and calling them out in the wild, naming them when we see them. It's like bird watching. It is. It is. <coughs> Look, there's confirmation bias. <laughs> Look, there it goes. It's eating availability bias. No, more availability bias. Or my favorite, Dunning Kruger, of course, which oh, has a distinction gosh, of two right. names, right? Oh my yes, gosh. We can tell you're a listener, Chris. <laughs> yeah. That's. That is one of my favorites. I really want to make a game around the Dunning-Kruger effect. That'd be so much fun. Yeah. So, so when we talk about games at work, I mean, games, games can be kind of like that outlet. You know, you see people kind of like, sometimes we're sitting around a lunch table playing, you know, playing a game together. You know, a bunch of people just kind of doing something. It's usually younger people. And I think that's interesting to think, is there a stigma attached to games at work, right? That, oh, well, you know, I'm a professional. I don't, I can't, I can't do this. Or I came here to work. Yeah, I came here to work. What is all this? And I think we've, all three of us have facilitated at some point in time, some session, some working Mm -hmm. session, where we've asked people to play something. (laughs) What's the first reaction? Uh, What? What the heck is this waste of time? (laughs) (laughs) There might be a couple of people who are excited, but then a few people are like, oh my. And then they're paying attention, like just sitting on the edge of their seat, trying to figure out what you're going to bring out. Like, is it Legos or marshmallows (coughs) and spaghetti? Or is it a board game? Or are we going to have to stand up? I just love how... I'm going to have to do things. Or or they conveniently use the bathroom for the next 22 minutes. 
<laughs> yeah, that's why you never tell them how long it's going to take. <laughs> so I, I actually just recently did one where I had people, this was like just a few days ago, I had people uh, play a quick little game um, where they were going to draw something, mm. right? Which, oh my God, everyone's like, no, I don't draw. I don't know how to draw. No. Right. But I gave them the drawing. I said, you're just going to, you're going to draw this. And it's okay. a very simple drawing, right? Very, very, very simple. Uh, it's all just line drawing. So it's like black and white. Um, and then um, what I had them do is I had them pair off into teams of two. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So those teams, um, the person who was, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll speed this up a little bit, but the person who was uh, giving the instructions on how to draw could not look at the drawer's drawing. Oh, so this is a collaboration. Either <coughs> collaborator has all the information. Exactly. So, so if I were telling you the instructions, I'd say, Natasha, uh, you, can, you can't, I can't look at your drawing. Mm-hmm. So I have to turn my back, right? Mm-hmm. But you can't see what I'm telling you to draw. Yep. And you can't ask any clarifying questions. No, nope, just do what I tell you to <laughs> do. Do what I tell you to do. And what it, the great thing is, is it illustrates how difficult it is to get inside of someone else's head and mm-hmm. really understand them, really get empathy for them. It was a great little icebreaker for like the, hey, we're gonna we're about to like talk about a lot of really complicated, you know, esoteric converse, like concept here. Let's just really take the extra step to be clear with each other so that we don't you know, lose each other and get confused. Yeah, and right. just remind let's, ourselves. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, let's just not make any assumptions. It's kind of like that, um, I guess it's like a parable where you've got the three blind men and they're told that, uh, like, you know, to, to kind of sketch out or describe an elephant, one touches the trunk, one touches, uh, I guess, the tail, and one touches the leg. And so they have dramatically different expectations of what this thing is and what it's like, even though they're in the same room. Yep. I think that's a great um, facilitation technique in a game is if you think about it, maybe the only way to bring that forward, you couldn't just explain it and demystify it and drive the behavior that you want. So a game is perfect. It's the most efficient thing. It is. It is. (laughs) Otherwise I would have just been trying to convince them. They said, Oh, I'll just listen to you for a little while. So, you know, what are what are some other games that we've kind of instituted at work? I mean, that's one example, but like yeah, you know, I just have to like <coughs> I'm gonna like giggle here. I have to ask you, Chris, are you making like martinis or something? What's the sounds? <laughs> no, so I uh, it's it's the uh, the dryer. Like I've got stuff in the dryer, and it yeah. Sorry. Gotcha. Yeah. Okie dokie. <laughs> I I wish. I mean, it it's almost five o'clock, but you know five o'clock somewhere. But it's not yes. it's not quite there. <laughs> So I'll share an example of a game that um, that we've used that um, has been really, really effective. And it was actually something that we designed and built fit for purpose to explain um, a new concept. And you've heard on um, Side Order of Empathy, I've talked about this body of work that I just am enamored of and I have a crush on. And it's around the progress principle. And basic concept is, is that when organizations focus on helping individuals make progress in their work, it is the fastest way to ignite that feeling of having a great day at work and then getting all of the benefits that come from igniting um, Mm -hmm. people's positive inner work lives. Well, so again, that's very talk, talk, talk. 
And when you're dealing with managers and asking them to take a strong role in helping to nurture progress among their teams, it might sound like something that makes sense, but how do they actually activate against that? And so we designed a game that showed um, both sides of uh, promoting the progress principle and then activities that show up in a regular day-to-day -day routine in a workplace that became more fun when they showed up in the context of a game that inhibit progress. And so it was a typical kind of shoots and ladders kind of game mechanics. And they worked as a group to be able to reveal what was going on in the way that they were making choices to play the game that either promoted progress or inhibited it. And it was just a beautiful way to bring forward the basic concepts and start to embed for them ideas of how could I take these um, ideas that show up on a card inside of a game that represent a typical work scenario, have affinity to say, oh yeah, that happens to me all the time, change, deadline at work, too much email, difficult conversation with an employee about performance. And how would I act differently now that I realize that that's an opportunity to promote the progress principle? So that was a really powerful example. Yeah, that's a good one. That's actually really that's good. That's really I awesome. Like, I like the, the fact that it goes right at the heart of one of the main things that drives the way people work is the boss, right? <laughs> <laughs> the interaction with the boss and how hard it is to get the boss to see, yeah, some of the things you do aren't having the effect you want. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Chris, what about you? Gosh, uh, let me think. Um, so there are some obvious ones. I mean, you, you already touched on them. One of my favorites is the, the marshmallow challenge. Um, I'm not sure if you've already discussed that, but. No, no tell That's our new, side yeah. order of empathy listeners about the marshmallow challenge. The marshmallow challenge, um, just, you know, beyond the fact that it involves marshmallows and they're inherently delicious. Um, it's, base, it's a, it is a, on the face of it, it looks like it's a construction activity, but really it is a teamwork and decision-making exercise. So, And so you, this isn't the marshmallow challenge where you're like shoving marshmallows in your mouth, right? No, this not is, quite. This involves spaghetti and, and other things, right? Correct. Spaghetti in your mouth? Hopefully, Wait. hopefully there's no spaghetti in your mouth. <laughs> well, look, you, you, okay, you, you managed to combine two of my favorite things, spaghetti and marshmallows, both going into my mouth. So if you want to keep going that route, like... <laughs> I am interested, but <laughs> this is a food show. It totally is. It totally just changed changed purpose here. <laughs> so, so this the this like the marshmallow challenge is around construction, right? And what right. are you what are you trying to build? So you basically break up um, into a number of small teams. So typically, a team may have you know four or five, six people on it, and the goal of the team is to construct a freestanding structure um, that elevates a marshmallow um, as high as possible from, you know, like the surface. So say um, like a tabletop or something like that. And so the only uh, materials that a team gets is about a yard of tape, a yard of string. Um, I want to say it's like 30 or 40 uh, sticks of spaghetti and then a marshmallow. And so, you know, uh, the, the teams are given typically, I think it's 18 to 20 minutes, somewhere in there. And beyond some basic instructions, such as, you know, don't stand on top of the desk and tie the marshmallow from the ceiling. It's cheating, like <laughs> things like that. Um, they're, it's really free form. They're more or less told, get the marshmallow as high as you can off the surface of the table. You have these materials, um, kind of go. And so what's interesting about it is, 
uh, kind of going back to, you know, the difference between children and adults, um, what you find is very quickly teams want to spend a lot of time diagnosing the problem and kind of planning out a solution. And so if this exercise is 18 minutes, you won't have people actually picking up the marshmallow and doing something with it for maybe the first 15. So there's a whole lot of talking, not a whole lot of doing. And inevitably what happens is most people fail. So they, they try to build something um, and they, they wait till the last minute and then it just kind of collapses. And what's interesting is when you actually do this activity with children, you'll find that they may build seven, eight, nine structures. So we're saying every 90 seconds or so, they're going to come up with some amalgamation of, of, of a structure. So they'll either evolve something that they've already worked on or they'll build something new. It just kind of highlights this mental agility that children seemingly have that for whatever reason, um, like life kind of beats out of us as we get older. So it's a really interesting exercise for a lot of reasons. Yeah, it is interesting. They're less afraid to fail. There are a few things going on in that. So um, Mm -hmm. it has to do with how the kids are using their time. Sure. Yes. And (coughs) how many of us have experienced that when we come to work, because we are, um, we're preserving our sense of self and um, we may need to uh, defend our position and, and why we are in charge or not in charge. We spend a lot of time that, you know, the first time when the kids are in, uh, iterating and building and improving, the grownups are talking about and figuring out who's going to be in charge. Yes, sure. there's so much time. And, and those activities, I, I like the, the spaghetti marshmallow challenge as well. Uh, for our listeners, you can actually, I think you can just Google Marshmallow Challenge, and there's a TED Talk about it, yep. there's a YouTube thing about it, and it's not the one where people are shoving marshmallows in their mouths. No, that is fun, just to be clear. Um, <laughs> this, this involves the spaghetti, so look for the one that has... But it, it is true, they actually ran some some pretty scientific uh, uh, comparisons, um, comparing you know CEO's performance to children's performance, and the kindergartner's... Um, whoop those CEOs left and right on their ability to build stuff and to self-organize. And to, there's, there's all kinds of deep stuff in there where they didn't, they didn't have the inhibitions of like, who's in charge, who has, who, whose approval do we need to seek? You know, they just went and they said, we're going to figure this out. Yep. And they worked right. very collaboratively. And if someone has a bad idea, they try it, it didn't work out. Oh, well, we move on. And they never hold it against that person because maybe the second idea they have is actually a really good one, but they're not like, man, you know, their first idea really crap. <laughs> they really have a tendency to not do that, um, and that's something that that uh, uh, probably in a lot of offices and businesses, if we had more of that ability to try things, they didn't work out, learn from it, try again, but not be punished with the now, now no one will listen to me because I failed the first time. Uh, if we had more of the mentality that it's okay, that, that we, that's, that's progress is trying things and learning from them. That's that progress mindset, mm-hmm. right? Yep, for sure. Those kinds of things would get us to a better place. <laughs> so it sounds like now's a really good time to, to kind of wrap up. Yeah, I think so too. So we got to talk about how bringing games and playing in the workplace can be a really fantastic way to unleash performance. And there's some things that are going on with play that just make it really well suited to efficiently present concepts that may be difficult to explain, 
But once you present them in a game context, people get it right away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that the difficulty to explain is is actually really manifests in the difficult for for communication to actually have happened. Mm -hmm. You could say the words, people can hear them, but they won't get them. Yeah, they won't feel them. Mm -hmm. You give them a game, and it's the it's a really good way of actually feeling what you're talking about. Exactly. Go, I get it now. Yeah. I, I get it now. I get what you're talking about. And that's all about turning on the other side of the brain sometimes. You have Absolutely. to channel shift into a different setting and kind of activate some new things. Absolutely. I agree. And so it sounds like we all kind of agree. Games can solve business yeah. problems. I so totally like agree. First that that like one of us hasn't played devil's advocate. And there were no caveats. <laughs> no caveats. No. <gasps> We had to say it, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening to us. Uh, please leave your comments. Um, we we would love to hear what you think about games and work at work, and if there's any games you like to play. Thanks for joining, Chris. This was a blast. Come join us again. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. A side order of empathy can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and at a sideorderofempathy.com. Thank you for listening.